Let's talk about everything you've wanted to talk to an agent about, you just haven't had an opportunity to ask. You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a VOpreneur. Welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. Having your voiceover demos easily playable and downloadable on your website is essential. The Voice Sam Player lets you do that across any device and browser. There are also options for adding play buttons in your email signature, tracking your listens, and even putting videos in your demo player. Sign up now at voicezam.com slash markscott and receive an instant $25 credit. For full details and to claim this offer, visit voicezam.com slash markscott. The VOpreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Meyers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original everyday VOpreneur. Hello, and welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. I'm Mark Scott, the original everyday VOpreneur, back once again with Another episode filled with actionable, practical advice to help you grow your voiceover business. Now, speaking of actionable, practical advice, did you know that there are over 150 episodes of this podcast and that every single one of those episodes is available and fully searchable on the website at vopreneur.com? So if you are looking for anything business and marketing related, chances are we've done an episode on it. Check those out at vopreneur.com. So this week, I'm really excited to welcome in an agent because I know that a big part of every voice actor's career is getting to that point where you're ready to get signed by your first agent, or maybe you're ready to add your second or third or fourth, and you're just not sure how to make it happen. So I've had the opportunity to ask a lot of really great questions and get a lot of really great insight that's going to help you get signed by that next agent. One of the milestone goals for just about any voice actor is to get signed by a reputable agent. It makes us feel legitimate, like we have arrived. My guest today has been running her own successful agency, Tada Voiceworks, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, since 2008. As a member of the VO Agent Alliance, she's a strong supporter for fair rates and the highest business standards and practices. Welcome to the show, Tanya Buchanan. Hello, hello. Thanks, Mark. So this is going to be fun. I'm going to ask you all the tough questions. And then by the end of this interview, about a thousand voice actors should be emailing you and asking to be on the roster. And that's exactly what happens. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So everybody wants an agent. And I think for many, there's an assumption that once you get an agent, your work is done because the agent will bring forth riches and fame and glory and whatnot. So let's address that narrative right out of the gate. Is that really how it works? Not at all. And I am, uh, I, I take a look at things from a perspective that your agent is just sort of one cog in the wheel. And particular, I would say that that was true 10 plus years ago. Nowadays, more of your work is gained from other cogs in the wheel than your agent. I would say your agent should bring in about 10 to 20% of your business. So when you look at that overall, that's not a lot. So the rest of it, it needs to be your hustle, your marketing, your you know other agents, your pay to plays, your whatever your other cogs are in your wheel to get business. Um, certainly not relying on your agent, just sit back and, and uh, wait, because those days are gone, my friend. 
And I think it's important to hear you say that because I will tell voice actors that all the time and they look at me like I've got three heads because they legitimately still believe that this model works where the agent becomes the be all end all. But definitely the industry has seen shifts over the years as buyers are working directly with talent. Like you said, casting sites. I mean, that was a huge disruption to the whole entire model of of how everything works. And so it's it's good to hear you say that so that hopefully it it kind of tempers the expectations of what voice actors are expecting to get out of the relationship. And it's one of the very first things I tell new talent that come on board. Um, I know it scares a lot of other agents. Oh my gosh, work is going to pay to play sites and work is going here and there and direct. And there is maybe a little bit of uh, fear for agents in that way. But I think um, we need to embrace the different areas where you get work and know that your agents really are, if you've got a good agent, um, they're there for the bigger work. They're there for the ad agency work, you know, the Coca-Colas and the, uh, you know, Coors and all the beer. Those kind of things still generally will go through an ad agency and then go through agents. So that's where you're looking for the for the bigger things. Things like um, smaller e-learning projects and uh, you know, smaller radio campaigns, those type of things you will find on your own. You'll still find it through an agent as well, but you know, you're really relying on your agent to get you those connections with big ad agencies that you wouldn't get normally because it's hard to sort of get past those gatekeepers. So definitely more of a, a national scale or maybe a larger regional scale, depending on where you live. But all of those smaller local jobs you're still doing on your own. Yeah, it's a generalization, of course. We yeah. still do some stuff. But I, I would think that if you set up your business that way, that I'm going to get sort of the bigger stuff that, you know, I can't get on my own through my agents in different areas um, and then really hustle for, for some of the other stuff. Um, that's a good way to set up the business for sure. So you touched on this a little bit. Let's go into it deeper. The model has obviously shifted, right? Once upon a time, everything filtered through agents they they were the gatekeepers to all of the the projects and now that that has changed and voice actors work directly with clients clients go through casting sites there's so many different ways to get connected now how have things changed for agents and and what are you guys doing to adapt like i know tada for some other services now that maybe you didn't always have on the table before that's one way. I think that I'm always very good at sort of looking at different um, ways to adapt because things do change in any business. But I've always sort of held the analogy that voice agents are similar right now to where travel agencies were um, a number of years ago in that you can go book online, you know, a direct flight from LA to New York and you'll probably do that. It's easy. It's quick. You don't need a travel agent for that. But if you're going to, let's say, Europe and you want to make a few stops and you want to check out different hotels, you're going to go to a travel agent who has the expertise. And I feel that that's where an agent comes in. Um, I am perfectly okay and understand that if it's, you know, one local radio, you might go to one of the pay to play sites um, and you don't need somebody's expertise for that. But if you've got a campaign that's got, you know, a big contract attached to it, it's got multiple edits and versions and, and you need as a client you need some expertise on who can do this and who is the best for the job and somebody to hold your hand then that's where the agent comes in and I don't think you're gonna lose that but the other thing to be said about that and the reason why some agents are having a harder time than others is I think that there is a 
loyalty aspect that agents sort of lost a grasp of at some point. And they started making, um, you know, very large rosters. They were bringing in a lot of money with these large rosters. But what comes with that is the lack of loyalty. When you're one of 800 people on a roster, you don't really have that loyalty to your agent. When you've got you know, a smaller roster like Tada does um, and a connection with your talent, you know, you have that ability to work as partners a little bit more. And that's why I think Tada has done really well. We have a lot of our talent who will come to me and say, hey, you know, I'm not comfortable with this. Can you handle this for me? Um, you have the expertise in that and they feel comfortable doing so. And I think that that's where a lot of agents have gotten caught up in, you know, years of just picking up the phone and and saying, okay, you're booked and not building sort of that loyalty and that partnership with your talent, um, which I think is probably the most important thing nowadays. I think that's a really good point. And I think that's something that voice actors should be paying attention to, because particularly when you're talking about larger projects, complex projects, multiple usages, all that sort of stuff. I see voice actors posting stuff like that in Facebook groups all the time. How do I quote this? How do I protect myself on this? How do I... and my whole thing is, why are you not just asking your agent? And I think sometimes we forget, and maybe some agents don't work this way, but like sometimes we forget that even if the job doesn't come from the agent, there's no reason why we couldn't go to an agent and say, can you help me with this? Absolutely. And when you talked about some of the services that Tada does, we always have done that with our talent. Um, but we have started to offer that to talent that aren't on our roster simply because of what you're saying is because I'm a huge proponent of fighting for fair rates and making sure that talent are treated fairly. I really thought the only way that I could kind of go about that without, you know, making all agents do the same way I do, <laughs> being that sort of way is hey, you can have another agent come to me and if you're not you know, close with your agent or you don't have an agent, you know, come to me and I'll help you get through some of this because I want to make sure that talent are not taken advantage of. But for sure, I would say, I don't know any agent that would say, no, 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 don't give me your business. No, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> so, I just... I don't yeah. understand what, you know, it's, I mean, yes, there are voice actors out there that understand this stuff and can handle this stuff. But at the same time, I'm like, why are you getting opinions from 100 voice actors where 90 of them have probably never done something like this before, when you could literally just go to your agent, know that you're getting it solved properly, getting it handled properly. It just seems like it makes things so much easier. I just, I guess there's a mindset thing that we just don't think, we think, you know, it has to come from the agent in order for it to go to the agent. But that's where you have that relationship in that two-way street. And maybe that is one of the differences in being with a, a smaller boutique-style agency versus one where there's, you know, like you said, 800 people on the roster and maybe it just feels like they don't care. Well, one of the things, I mean, I think agents need to take some responsibility with that as well. And that is, you know, we go on and on about how busy we are. And we are. Um, and I know that I've talked to a lot of talent who said, oh, I'm, I'm too scared of my agent. I don't, I don't want to ask them. Um, and then it, it goes back exactly what you said, Mark, is having that, you know, comfortable relationship with your agent. And if you're not comfortable going to them and saying, hey, I know you're busy, but, you know, I've really got, I need some help with this. If that is not a conversation that you can have with any of your agents, you shouldn't be having that agent. And I think that's where talent gets so scared of agents thinking, oh, like it's a partnership. 
agents work for you. Like we don't, you know, we want to help you in most cases, I say agents would. <laughs> yes. So you want to, you want to make sure that you're, that we want to sort of uh, dispel that um, myth that agents are scary and we're going to yell at you and say, you know, I'm too busy to deal with you. And <laughs> um, that, that doesn't happen very rarely. I would say, I, I, as I said, most, I don't know any agent that's going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't want the business you're bringing to me. <laughs> so, you know, we'll take what we can get. And of course, we deal with this on a daily basis. If anybody has the expertise, it's an agent who is looking at contracts every day, that's negotiating every day. Um, that's what we do. So use us. I think that's something that's really important that needs to be addressed. And it was actually one of the things that I had put in to, to talk to you about was this misconception that agents are like, I don't know, like Zeus on Mount Olympus, just waiting to smite the peasants if they, you know, come to us with the wrong question or say the wrong thing. And I think there really is, I see it all the time, a, a major misunderstanding in the, I don't necessarily want to say the power dynamic, but definitely the relationship dynamic of, of talent agent. And for some reason, we do view agents on a pedestal and, and us down low, and it really shouldn't be like that at all. No, and I think like it goes back to, I mean, we have to take some responsibility for that because, but let's be real, most agents are hard because that's what you pay us for is mm -hmm. to be hard negotiators. Yep. So we are tough. And sometimes it's for me, particularly, I can't talk for all agents. It's, it's tough to switch that off and be sort of warm and friendly sometimes because you're constantly on a on a regular basis you know fighting with clients saying no that's not right and being tough in that way um, so you know we try but sometimes a lot of agents might come off as blunt as you know and it's just sort of the way we're wired and the reason why we're great agents is because we are tough <laughs> so let's put this another way because I think where it comes from on the talent side is there's a fear on the talent side. So in your case or your instance, have you ever canned a talent because they came to you with a question? Oh my goodness, no. Uh, and, and I can't imagine any agent would do that. No, absolutely not. I welcome questions. I welcome advice. I welcome that. Now I, I, I am an anomaly, Mark. <laughs> um, there are a lot of agents who, again, when you've got 700 people on your roster, they may not get back to you, but certainly no agent would, you know, um, reprimand you or get rid of you because you asked a question. And if they do, that's not an agent you want. They're doing uh, I, you a favor at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want, and I just, I, I keep hitting you know, talent over the head with this saying that we're partners with you. You know, we need to, I don't make money unless my talent make money and my talent aren't going to make money if they're scared and they're, you know, timid and, and all those things that, you know, that comes with being scared of your agent, you know, let's build this together. I am there to help you build your, and I shouldn't just say I, my team is there to help build your career. And if your agent isn't like that, there are a lot of agents out there and I'll tell you something 
it's better to have no agent than have an agent that is not on your side and that is not working with you as a partner. There are plenty of talent that I know that do not have agents and do very, very well. So if you're looking as the, again, it goes back to your very first question, Mark, you know, agents are, aren't the end all and be all, um, you know, it isn't the time where you can't work if you don't have an agent. So I would say I would much rather see a talent not have an agent than have a bad agent. I'm glad that we got that part of it out of the way because I do think that's part of it. I think there's this misconception that, you know, my job is to just shut up and do the auditions. And and if I come back to them or if I'm bugging them or whatever, they're going to dump me off the roster and I don't want to get dumped off the roster. And it look, that's just, that's not the reality. I mean, well, I, I guess I shouldn't say that is definitely not the common or standard reality. Have there been extreme cases somewhere along the line with a some crazy rogue agent, I suppose, maybe. But by and large, that is not the way that it works. And so I think it's important, again, to hear that from an agent that, yeah, come to me, ask me questions, talk to me about stuff. Like, that's how the the back and forth dynamic of the relationship should work. And I think it's really important to ask the question because, A, I've had people ask questions that uh, many talent are wanting to ask, but they don't. And I'd rather you ask a question than do something wrong. Like, especially if it's, you know, comes to an audition and you're like, well, I'm not really sure of this um, or what should I do with this? There's a fine line for sure. You know, you certainly can't be going back to your agent on every audition and saying, well, what should I do here? Or what should I do there? But if there's a, an actual something wrong in the audition or something that clearly doesn't make sense, I've had many times talent come to me and say, like, this doesn't make sense. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And then I'll go back to the client and get clarification. So I guess it's just asking the right questions. Yeah. And um, that if it's you know a valid question, my goodness, of course, we're going to be there. In the very beginning of this interview, you heard it straight from Tanya, straight from the agent. Agents are one source of audition opportunities and may be responsible for 10 to 20% of your work, which means that you've got 80 to 90% of your income that you've got to make up through other means. One of those means could be casting sites, but the bulk of that needs to come from your own direct marketing. And if you don't know how to direct market, I want to fix that for you. VoiceOver Marketing Playbook is my flagship marketing program. It is a six-hour video course that is designed to teach you how to find your own leads, build your own client base, and become the consistently working voice actor that you want to be. By the time you're finished with this course, I know that you are going to be a more confident and effective marketer. You are going to know how to reach out to people. You're going to know where to look for people. You're going to know how to stay top of mind with people and you are going to create more opportunities for yourself. Playbook is available until April 21st, 2022, and then it goes away again. To get the details on the course and to see countless testimonials from other voice actors who have taken it, because don't just take my word for it, visit the website at voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. Again, it is available until April 21st, 2022, and the details are at voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. Now, back to our show. So. 2020 happened, the whole world went home, and half of the people that went home decided to become a voice actor. Yep. There is a, a ever-expanding sea of talent that is out there. Uh, some of it is legitimate competition, some of it probably not so much. But for the voice actor who is now trying to get noticed by agents in this ever-expanding sea of talent, how do we do it? What 
What are agents looking for? What what are you looking for in talent today that would set somebody apart or would help them to rise above everybody else that's out there? Professionalism. I know, and common sense. I know that sounds so ridiculous, um, you know, because I should be saying talent, you know, the, the great voice, the this, that. But I can't tell you, when I listen to demos or people come to me um, wanting an agent, they haven't done any research, they haven't done any classes, they haven't done, uh, you know, they don't know what the business is ba- about, they've just thrown a demo together but in their basement, those kind of things. I mean, you're immediate, sometimes you don't get a second chance with an agent. So I would say if you've done your homework and you've researched my agency and you, you know, have some some um, classes behind you and you have some work behind you all those things like get it packaged up like I always say look at it like you're going for a job interview you wouldn't show up at a job interview with without a resume or with a resume that's done crumpled up on a piece of paper and pencil and hey like I have no work experience and just give me a job like that just doesn't happen well I'm sure it does but you're not going to get that job Probably doesn't end well <laughs> So, you know, it's the same thing. You've got to look at this. Have Do I have everything in order? Have I done my research? Have I looked at that agency's website on how they want submissions to happen? Have I looked at my, um, you know, or have I listened to my demo to make sure it's as great as it can be? Have I looked at my, you know, email or cover letter or whatever you're sending and does it have mistakes? And I would say, and I'm really not even kidding, Mark, I would say 90% of submissions I get don't follow, like don't hit that low bar. And now you're just talking 10%. Um, I have now, at Tada, we very rarely sign um, talent who don't have experience in the business just because we have a small roster. But I have in the past, and it's been because, you know, they knew what they were doing. They, you know, they had done so much research. They had done lots of classes. They were ready. Of course, timing is a lot to do with it as well. You know, I needed somebody in that category. I was looking for, you know, a 20-something-year-old male and you just popped up at the right time and you had everything in all your ducks in a row and you were gung-ho and passionate. But business sense, professionalism, the ideology that this is a business and not just a side hustle because of the pandemic. Um, and I can tell that real easy. You know, it's if you haven't put any time in and you're just like, hey, I think I could do voiceover. People say I have a really nice voice. <laughs> That's a lot of what we get. Uh, <laughs> so um, we, yeah, that, that, I mean, if you can get past that, you're already in the top like 10, 20%. I mean, that's huge. And it's not just me. We, you know, the agents, we talk a lot nowadays and we're like, can you believe that people submit this stuff? And we're like, no. And since the pandemic, it's gotten worse. And it is because there's a lot of people, hey, I have a really nice voice. I'm just going to do this on the side. Um, and we can spot that a mile away. I have visions of all of the agents, like the Agent Alliance sitting in a Zoom chat, comparing notes back and forth with, did you get the submission from this talent? Did you hear that demo? You said agents talk. How much of that goes on? And and how much do we, should talent be aware of that? Like if you make a bad impression with one agent, does it put you at risk with other ones if they're talking? Uh, Yes. It, It is a, you know, as big a business as it is, 
it's a small business. Yeah. We all kind of, I mean, if you would ask that question now, like again, even five years ago, I would say maybe five, 10 years ago, I would say, no, we're all kind of siloed, nobody talks. But the business really has changed in that way. Um, I think the Asian Alliance definitely changed that. Um, conferences changed that. We all kind of know each other in some way, shape or form. And yeah, yeah, we absolutely do. We, we say, hey, this, guy is a nightmare you know don't put him on your roster um so there is some some chit chat for sure between between not just the alliance but and it, it was tough before because you know we had nobody else to talk to and now it's really great that the agents can say hey you know what do you do in this circumstance and we all kind of use each other's expertise to help out with things so i think it's been a, a great service for us which in turn is a great service for talent so the old adage that you never get a second chance to make a first impression really, really rings true here. So make sure that you are absolutely putting your best foot forward when you are applying, which then brings us, I guess, to the next part of this. It's the number one question that I get asked from talent who are seeking representation. What do I say and how do I apply? Now, I know that there may be different requirements or different policies from agent to agent or agency to agency. I know some agents will put like special instructions just to see whether or not the talent will pay attention to the special instructions. It's like a <laughs> ding, test ding. to see if they can follow directions or whatever. But what do you want to see in submissions from voice actors? And I know you covered it a little bit, but are there specific things that that you're looking for us to say? Is it you know, I've, I've booked this much work or I've got these clients or are there certain things that we can say that would really stand out? The biggest one these days that I would say more than anything is having a referral of some sort. That goes so far because especially if it's somebody on my roster, um, take a look at the roster of the agency that, you know, is there somebody that you have in common or that you can make a connection with on on LinkedIn or wherever else? And then you can have a start a relationship with them and then you can say, hey, I know Mark Scott and Mark and I were talking and he thought I'd be a great match. Or if I have any, you know, connection that I can talk to so then I can go back to you and Mark, hey, is this is this what's this guy like? Um, that's huge for another one. And that's why, again, these these conferences and, you know, different groups on Facebook are so, so important these days is to make those connections with other voice talent. But in the actual like if you've gotten past all of that, I would say the first thing that that agents are looking for is range. I don't want to hear a demo that has the exact same read throughout it where you don't even know where one commercial starts and another one ends. Again, I'm talking strictly on um, commercial work, which just as a little side, that's the most important for agents. That's where, you know, the money is. Um, so animation is great. Gaming is great. Um, and we love doing that. But if you don't have a commercial demo and you're not doing any commercial demo, you just aren't a big revenue stream for us, which well, is a terrible, terrible way to think of a talent. But no, that's totally fair. You know, that's where, you know, we're making most of our money. Um, because again, we don't make money unless you make money. So range is really important for me when I listen to something. And I also think being short and sweet in your submission is important. I, I don't mind, and this is a per, definitely a personal thing, I don't mind a little bit of 
comedy, <laughs> keeping it light, yeah. something that'll make you uh, make me remember you is cool, but it's got to be short and sweet. I've had submissions that are pages long and I've done this and this and this and this and this and this and I, I no, maybe a few highlights of either people you've worked with or things that you've done. Maybe, you know, again, if you know somebody in the industry that we have a connection together, that would be great. And then let your demo um, really do the talking and make sure that demo is like top notch. I appreciate how you've roped me into this now by, by saying, <laughs> you know, if you've got a referral, if you've got somebody, so now you're going to get a thousand referral or a thousand submissions and my name is going to be attached to all of them as Mark Scott knows me or I heard this on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe we should take that out. <laughs> so, Okay. Let's go to the next step. We've we've impressed you. We've got signed. We're we're on the roster. We have agency representation. Talk to us about expectations from the agent for the talent now that you are on the roster. What do we have to be doing to stay in the good graces and keep the auditions coming? Follow instructions. That is the number one thing. And it sounds so simple, but it's not. And it's common with all our all the agents say together, do talent not read or do they just like to keep us on our toes? Um, it's just, you know, with agents, or sorry, audition submissions, um, there are specific ways of naming files. There are specific things that agents want you to do. We're all different in the way that we want things submitted. Um, I think that in today's day and age, talent moves so quickly and a lot of that I would put to, you know, pay to play sites and things like that, where yeah. you've got to rush to get your audition in before it closes yep. and or you're doing a hundred auditions that day. And so you just like mail it in, mail it in, mail it in. It, don't do that with your agents because it's a sure way for agents to be like, oh, not again. Like and when and it's again, it's not because we're jerks. It's because when you're, you know, dealing with the volume that we deal with, one little, you know, thing that you keep doing over and over again that we have to correct, you know, we have to then correct hundreds of labels because you've labeled it wrong. And again, it's again, not us necessarily. Maybe it's the casting director that wants it labeled properly. We also have sites that we use as agents, um, websites that we have to upload auditions to and they won't, they'll kick, it kicks it back if it's not labeled properly. So there's always a reason why agents are asking you to do something. Again, we're not just being jerks. So it's really just, that's the number one thing. Read instructions on audition submissions, read any communications that your agents are sending you um, because it, it can it gets tiring when talent asks the same questions over and over again or make mistakes over and over again. Um, so my um, best talent are ones that A, read everything, B, um, are easy in that, um, you know, I say, okay, you've got an audition tomorrow. Yep, no problem. Uh, you've got a gig tomorrow at this time. Yep, no problem. It's not a, yeah, I don't really feel like doing that. I'm kind of, you know, da, 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 da. And that's not to say that um, you can't have times that you're unavailable or you can't do something, but it's the, um, it's the constant, I'm not available, that can be challenging and or the huge long explanations of things, <laughs> which sounds again awful, but I have some talent that 
it's difficult to work with because every time I ask them to do something, they're like, yeah, well, I don't really know if I really want to do that. And maybe, do you think, you know, and then we get into these long, you know, I think maybe down, you know, yes or no. Yep. <laughs> can you do it or can you not? Let's just be easy about things. Or I send auditions to some talent and they, every audition they send me, I send them. It's always, you know, some I get a kickback. Well, what do you think about this? Da, da, da. You have to take some responsibility too on your end of the thing. And that's where I get into the partnership again. It's if I'm putting in all the work and you're not putting, or again, my team is putting all the work in and you're just mailing in stuff and just, you know, not putting in your effort, then that's not really an equal partnership. So we want to make sure that talent are equally as invested in their career as we are with them. I think the labeling thing is the one that comes up the most. Anytime I talk to an agent, the labeling thing comes up and <laughs> talent just don't get it. I mean, even for me, I do castings every once in a while to help out clients. And if I'm asking you to put something specific in the subject line of your email, for example, there's a reason why I'm asking you because I've created a filter that's going to send that email to a specific folder so that now I can very quickly and easily go through and, and find all of the auditions and you know, if I ask you to attach an MP3, that's because the client wants an MP3. So if you link me to your website, I can't do anything with it. It's it's crazy that something that seems like it should be so basic really does become so complicated for some reason. I, I don't get it. So outside of the labeling, because I know that's a huge thing, <laughs> what are some of the pet peeves? What are we going to do as a talent that is going to drive you crazy or potentially get us knocked off the roster? Not letting us know when you're not available is a big one. And I know a lot of agents have issues with that. Like you've gone to France for two weeks and you forgot to tell your agent, uh, whoops, like we're the first people that you should tell because, you know, all of a sudden we've got a client saying, yeah, I'd like to, to book one of these talent and we don't know you're away and don't have your equipment and anything else and not available. It makes us look bad. It makes you look bad. It's just not so always keeping communication open with your agent about availability. That's a big, big, big one. Labeling, of course, as you mentioned, um, I, just following directions on slates, all these things, exactly what you said, Mark, there's a reason for all of this. It's not that we're, you know, we've got, you know, some vendetta against uh, talent and we're like, hey, we're going to make them work really hard. Uh, no, it's like we're the middle people here. We're telling you exactly what the client has told us. Um, and we're getting to the point, um, the agents that I've spoken with, that will either drop you or we won't submit you for auditions. If you are constantly not following directions, it gets back to, again, there's, and I hate saying this because it makes talent feel horrible, but there are a million people behind you who would mm -hmm. love to have a, a place on an agent's roster. And if you think that, and we do, we do deal with this. If you think that you are untouchable and that, hey, I'm booking lots and, you know, I'm so, I'm not going to do anything more. I'm just going to let everybody else do, you know, and we get that sort of diva attitudes. Absolutely gone are those days because there are so many talent in the pool that I can guarantee you I can find somebody else that sounds just like you that actually you know will work um, and and put the work in that may sound harsh but it's totally fair like totally fair and I think that that's and not even just from an agent's perspective I think that that's a good thing to keep in mind 
that you have to look at where you are in the scheme of things as a voice talent. And again, not to sound harsh, but the reality of it is you're at the bottom. You know, you there are, you know, writers and, and um, ad agencies and, and all these people, directors and, and studios and all this. By the time that they've gotten down to you and, and booking you and they've gone through an agent, you know, if you're going to be difficult, they'll just find somebody else. Yep. They they don't have time for that either. So we're working hard for you to make sure that you put, but it puts us in a bad position when, you know, anyway, it just goes to the fact that you have to keep in mind that they'll just go elsewhere. So you can't have attitude these days. Do you keep an eye on any social media activity? For your talent, are you watching out for talent who maybe are posting things that are controversial or, you know, aggressive opinions or, or whatever? Are you watching out for stuff like that? Like, I know talent that have lost jobs because of things that they have said, and maybe they don't fall in alignment with the client or whatever. Is that something that you're keeping an eye on at all or thinking about? Or is it pretty much whatever you're doing on your social media is that's your that's your thing and not my problem? Oh gosh, no. Yes, we keep a we keep an eye on that. I'm not as involved in the social media as some agents. Some agents won't even sign you if they're not, you know, happy with wh what you look like on social media. I'm not that into that, but I certainly I'm very involved in looking. I, I'm a looky loo. <laughs> I uh, I look at all these voice uh, voiceover you know Facebook groups and and see what the what the conversations are for a number of reasons one for the reason like you said if somebody's totally off base and is going to affect maybe a contract that they have ongoing with somebody but also just to to get the lay of the land and what are talent talking about and what are they interested in and what is the hot topic of the day because you know that helps me again understand what uh, talents needs are what clients needs are and being on top of changes and things happening and maybe there's a new software that talent are interested in you know so I always am keeping on on track of that one of the big things with your social media that um, goes into what drives uh, agents crazy too is posting work um, that you have done on your social media and not getting um, clearance for that I can't tell you like how many, I've had talent really get into binds with that. Ad agencies are very, very uh, protective over their work. You do not as a talent own that work. So the, the whoever it is, the ad agency, the client, the studio, somebody else owns that work. So you can't just, you know, willy-nilly go posting things and, and putting things out there. And I see it all the time. And it's going to bite people in the butt because more and more NDAs are out there. Ad agencies are being very... I've had people got fired before from contracts for doing things like that. So just be really careful when you're posting things that um, you either have clearance or you've put it in a way that is not putting the client or ad agency um, at je or you're not in jeopardy from uh, posting those things. I had Rob Zingampegli on the podcast uh, a while ago and we talked about that and, and about the copyright uh, and, and how all of that works and this assumption with talent that, well, I found it on YouTube, mm -hmm. so it must be okay. But 
no, that's that's not always how it works. And so it's a good reminder and to hear it from an agent as well, a good reminder that, you know, reach out, ask for permission. It's a good opportunity to just connect with your agent again if you haven't talked to them in a while. Mm -hmm. But uh, always better safe than sorry, right? Absolutely. And the other thing, people's like, why? Well, it's on YouTube. What's the big deal? And I have to explain sometimes that there's so many metrics that ad agencies might use. They want to know how many clicks something gets, how many shares it gets, how many, all these things that are way beyond me. Um, but, you know, if you're, if they've got a, um, it's being posted somewhere that they don't know about and they're, it, it really screws up their metrics. So there is an actual reason why yep. ad agencies want to make sure that they have control on where these ads or whatever it is, is posted. Um, so again, it's not because, you know, we're just making your life difficult. It's, it makes our life difficult when we have to hear that from the clients. So I always, I always try and nip it in the bud first, and that's why I am on social media a lot. I'll see it, and I'm like, whoa, 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 before the client comes and says, what the heck, you know, let's let's get clearance on these things. Yeah, that, that stuff goes beyond my brain capacity as well, but I have had those conversations with clients in the past where they're like, actually, we don't want you to share it because exactly what you said. They're tracking very specific metrics on clicks and views and all of that sort of stuff. And if I share it, it throws off all of the metrics. And, and chances are they're tracking all of that stuff because they've got to report back to their end client, right? And so, you know, you're you're a cog in the wheel at that point. But I would rather uh, I would rather get told no up front than have the humiliation of having to take it down after the fact. And nowadays, too, be really careful with when you're, I know there's a lot of awards out there and, and things that you're entering work into. Again, that's another one. Make sure you get clearance before you enter any of your work yeah. into some kind of competition. Good God. <laughs> yes. Very good advice. So one more thing. The next big disruption that is coming is, is obviously going to be AI. Mm -hmm. So first off, are you seeing... Any requests from an agent level in the text-to-speech, voice modeling, that whole side of things? And, and if so, what kind of stuff are you looking out for and, and what do talent need to be looking out for? It's still a really um, gray area for a lot of agents. And we are honestly trying to figure it out best we can because it's... When you just say AI, it just, it, it, that's so vast, yeah. right? There is so many, like people throw that word around. In a lot of cases, they're like, oh no, don't do any AI. There is, you know, TTS stuff that is very lucrative and it's very good. I think the number one thing that you need to look out for with any of that stuff is you've got to have a contract. It has to be usage and all that has to be on paper. Um, otherwise, you're just, you know, you're throwing your career away because, um, you know, they can use it anywhere or they can use your voice to build another voice and, and, and those type of things. You're just, um, you know, cutting your knees off in terms of other work. We have had some stuff come through the agency that I've actually turned down because it was particularly that it was building a voice for a brand and just being paid for like a session. And that's what we have to be really careful for. You need to be paid for usage. Again, I don't have all the knowledge on how all that works yet because I'm still doing a lot of research on, you know, how we break down the usage. And I know that there's new technology coming out on how we track usage on those kind of things. But first and foremost, you have to have a contract that lays out exactly um, what your voice is going to be used for. 
It's a really interesting area. Like I know I, that's another question that I asked Rob Sigenpagli and we talked about that and, and he talked about the importance of contracts and usage and, and copyright. I talked with David Toback, who's the creator of the GVAA rate guide. And, you know, they're trying to figure out now, I guess, rate structures for some of this stuff because it's new, right? We've got to, we're kind of starting at the ground level. Agents are in the same position where they've got to figure out how some of this stuff works and, and how long-term, what impact it's going to have. And, uh, but it's definitely something that is coming. So it's a, it's an interesting conversation yeah, to be a part of. Absolutely. And I would say like last year we were having this conversation as agents and we we're like, ah, yeah, that's not going to be a big deal. And, you know, it'll take some of the smaller work out of there. And, you know, but now it seems that it's a little more complicated than that. And before, like I said, we were as agents saying, oh, we're not touching any of that stuff. And now we're like, hold on, you know, there may be a way that we can make this work and that it's fair for everybody that we're making money. So I think that, again, the most important thing is we got to watch for usage on this. You cannot be paid just a one session fee to build a voice um, that can be used elsewhere and forever and in perpetuity, that, that lovely word that we love, yes. in perpetuity. I don't think anybody who's not in the voice business actually ever uses that word. <laughs> and, and most of the people that use it, even in the voice business, don't actually know what it means. They just, you know, saw it in a contract somewhere and were like, oh, that That's sounds true. good. Let's throw that in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's good to know that those conversations are happening amongst the agents, though, because you're right. The general consensus from a talent side right now is don't ever do this ever, period, exclamation mark, avoid it like the plague, blah, blah, blah. And I don't think that's the answer, because I think if you do that, you're going to get left behind on a technology that is going to be very, very disruptive to the industry. And so for me, the question is, how do we engage with this and, and engage with it in a way that is fair all the way around? And that's where having agents part of the mix, having somebody like David Toback and GVAA part of that conversation, having somebody like Rob as, as part of that conversation is how we come up with a, with a system and a model that works. Are there going to be AI opportunities that are still going to be junk? Of course, there, there will be. There's always going to be voiceover opportunities that are junk. But I think that we have a better chance at making some of them much more fair by, by approaching it that way. Yeah, and I love the fact that even, you know, talent always comment on the industry being very supportive of each other from the talent side of things. And I think that we've really come a long way in exactly what you're saying. I talk to David Toback all the time, you know, about rates and, and other agents and casting directors and all the people that are in that mix. And just having those conversations openly and how do we deal with this as opposed to putting our heads in the sand, which used to happen before, and go, this is not going, AI, the internet does not exist. Uh, you know? So I think that that's come a long way, and we're all very supportive of each other and, and open to asking questions and finding out how we can work together. For sure. Well, Tanya, this has been great. It's been very enlightening. And, and I'm, I'm going to save you a little bit of a hassle right now by saying before you all start sending her submissions, Go to the website at tadavoiceworks.com. You will see that there are certain criteria. You're not just going to accept from anyone. Canadian agency, right? That's a big part of it. So we'll try to limit it a little bit. But that's how you do your homework, by going to the website and learning some of these things. But thank you so much for all of the information that you've shared. Because I, I do think that as much as some of it is your way of operating and how you do things, I think it's pretty, you know, I think a lot of the information passes across the board for the way a lot of reputable agents are doing things and, and the way that things should be done. 
Excellent. And can I put one plug in there, Mark? Absolutely, you can. Uh, when we talk about supporting each other and, and having these conversations, uh, VO North is coming up. Yes. And that is a, a big voiceover conference that happens in Toronto in September. And it's September 16th to 18th this year. And we're going to be talking all about all these things. And one of the big things that makes this conference uh, very unique is, uh, and it goes back to something we talked about earlier, most, if not all, I'd say most of the speakers that we have are talent buyers, they're casting directors, they are producers, they are agents. Um, it's not voiceover talent talking to voiceover talent. So you're going to get a lot of expertise and just a lot of conversation, you know, talking at the bar or talking at the, you know, coffee shop about what's happening in the world. So tickets go on sale April 29th, vonorth.com. All right. I will put a link to that in the show notes as well. Great. It's a great event. It really is. A, it really is a great event and uh, one that is definitely worth checking out. And then you get the added bonus. Like if you're traveling up here, Toronto's a great city to tour around. Niagara Falls is not that far away. So, you know, you come up, you make a weekend of it. You have a lot of fun uh, and attend a great conference while you're at it. And then you get to write the whole thing off as a business trip. And Canadian dollars. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tanya, thank you so much for your time and for the uh, for the information that you've shared. I'm very grateful for it. There's a lot of good information in there. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. A big part of what Tanya said in this episode was a lot of what I teach through this podcast and my YouTube channel and through the Facebook community, and that's the concept of being a VOpreneur, remembering that you are more than just a talent in a booth, but you are a business owner. This is a business. You are working in a business and you are running a business. And when you think about it from that perspective and operate with that level of professionalism, as Tanya mentioned, that can go a very long way to getting you recognized and potentially signed by an agent. So always make sure that you are putting your best foot forward by always being professional, paying attention to the details, being true to your word, doing the things that you are asked to do. And I think you can never go wrong with exceeding expectations as well. I hope this episode has been incredibly enlightening for you. And I hope that it helps you to get signed to that first agent or maybe to get signed to that next agent. If you've enjoyed this episode, let me know you're listening. Please take a picture of yourself listening to the podcast, share it in your Instagram stories and tag me at Mark Scott. Let me know that you're listening, learning and enjoying. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one. The Everyday Vopreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. Having your voiceover demos easily playable and downloadable on your website is essential. The VoiceAM player lets you do that across any device and browser. There are also options for adding play buttons in your email signature, tracking your listens, and even putting videos in your demo player. Sign up now at voicesam.com slash markscott and receive an instant $25 credit. For full details and to claim this offer, visit voicesam.com slash markscott. And scene. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more VOpreneur goodness? Jump online at vopreneur.com.